0: that you, awesome. yeah, as we did that time, I was just thinking like, wow, who I was before knowing Jesus compared to who I am now. And that was a long process. That wasn't a moment, you know, crazy moment, which I know people haven't, uh, but I'm so thankful for how God has continued to pursue me in that journey. Um, and so like, Like Stacy said, my name is Cameron. I have been going to Discovery for about six years. Um, I was a student at UC Davis, graduated in 2012, and joined staff with Crew, which is one of the Christian groups on campus. Um, And I'm married, and my husband's on staff too, and um, part of our job is a lot of evangelism. And... I say that because it's easy to think like, oh, well, then I must know what I'm doing. But honestly, like reality, I can't change people's hearts at all. (laughs) Um, And I've had all sorts of experiences as well as um, perspectives on evangelism. Everything from fear, dread, hesitation, excitement, nervousness, um, performance, peace. Like I just think about the range of feelings we can have when we hear that word evangelism. Like it can be seen as duty or it can be seen as, um, something that's optional and we just don't have to do That's, that's for that elite Christian or whatever it might be. Um, and so my hope in sharing a few stories with you, as well as looking at the word a little bit is to see how the great commission and evangelism is actually a response to and a partnership with God's covenantal nature. Um, and I want to share a quick story before I really get into anything. And that's the story of Gabby. And Gabby is a girl that I met last year on campus. She came to a prayer time that we had set up. Um, and I'm expecting girls who are, know what prayer is and are Christians and are already walking with Jesus. And she shows up, and she's the only one. And she says, you know, I'm not a Christian. I am at a place where I'm really searching. And So I start asking questions, and I'm like, well what are you doing here? You know, how did you hear about us? All that kind of stuff. And she ended up telling me that when she was younger, when she was probably in junior high, she, um, she used to pray and she used to feel some sort of connection. And she was at a place where she had struggled with a lot of depression, some suicidal thoughts, some just hard stuff. And she was like, I want that connection again. If there is a God, I want to know him. And she didn't really know what that meant. And so we actually started meeting every week and walked through the process of just sharing the gospel with her. Who is this God that wants this relationship with her? What does it mean that he died on the cross in his son? And just all of these different things. And um, it was cool to see her grapple with that idea of this is a God who wants to know her but how do I believe? How do I actually put my trust in this God? And what does it mean to surrender? And what about all my objections or the limitations I feel like I just can't get past obstacles? And um, at this point, I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, I can't change your heart. And it's not just an easy decision. At some point, there is that step of faith. And so um, I'd been praying for her and she started spiraling and going into a really tough time. And I didn't see her much. And she um, actually came back um, at the end of the quarter, we got to spend some time together, and in her depression, in that in that dark time, um, she had cried out to God. She'd come to a place where as she was at the end of herself, and she cried out to God, and He met her there. And I just think about how God had been pursuing her for so long in so many ways, interacting, drawing her, giving her desire to know Him, and. How cool that he allowed me to be just part of that process. Obviously, it is him who draws people to himself. But we get to be a part of that process. And and the fact that God does that just shows this incredible love that he has for us and desire to have us be a part of his nature. Um, And so I, I think about that. like The basis of the Great Commission, the basis of evangelism, the basis of this covenantal God... Is that he wants this relationship with people, right? With each of us, he wants this relationship. Um, and I've heard it said that that an object is only as is only worth as much as someone is willing to pay for it. So this table does not is not worth anything unless I'm willing to pay for it, or someone's willing to pay for it. Um, and that's true of us too. We have some intrinsic and inherent worth because God created us, and God's a worthy good God right but we're broken we, we have a brokenness because we've turned away from God and we don't deserve um, life because we've chosen life apart from God our, in, our, in our natural tendency we will choose sin um, but because the most worthy and perfect God paid the ultimate price for each of us We now have the ultimate worth. And I just think about that. We have been given ultimate worth because Jesus chose to die for us. Um, And just the reality of that, we can now walk in such a sweet relationship with him, knowing that our value comes from him. Um, And so I kind of want to just like get into this question of what is God's covenantal nature. And we've been talking about this with, with Simply Saturdays for months now, and it's been a really sweet series of being able to look at God's compassion. I know Chani shared about that last month. Um, what is a covenant? How does it affect our relationships and community? Um, and so I just want to just quickly walk through how the covenant is seen in the gospel. I've already shared a little bit about that, but from the beginning, God chose to be in relationship with mankind. Um, In Genesis 1, our triune God, this God who's this Father, Son, Holy Spirit all at one time, such a mystery, and at the same time, so cool. um, He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God had already made other creatures, but man he made with the ability and capacity for relationship. So we are different from all these other creatures. Um, And he, he wanted us to be in relationship with him. He also chose to include people in his work from the very beginning. In Genesis 2, um, God's creating things, right? He's created animals, and he's created man. And he says, Adam, why don't you name these animals? He gives Adam this creative um, license to name the creatures he's made. And by doing that, he's allowing Adam to partner in his work. Um, He also gives man a purpose and includes man in fulfilling his plans, So when Adam is given the job to fill and subdue subdue the earth, God is saying, hey, I have a purpose for you here. Um, And so I think about just this amazing reality where we get to be in this perfect relationship with God and we get to partner with him in his work. But that's not our reality today, right? We have a current reality, which is that we live in a sinful and fallen world where there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of feeling disconnected from God. Um, and so the reality that we have today is that people are broken and we choose to do our own thing. Um, therefore, we can no longer be in this perfect relationship with this perfect God through our own efforts. And we cannot perfectly fulfill his plans or partner with him in, in our on our own accord, in our own ability. We can't fulfill what God designed for us. So I think about in the midst of our sin and our brokenness and just how separate we were from God. Um, God made a covenant, a binding agreement. And in the Old Testament, all, uh, all agreements and covenants were always sealed with blood. Lots of things were done with blood. <laughs> um, and most covenants have conditions for both parties, right? So when we get into some type of agreement, there's usually a, I do this, you do this. And we, we agree on that. Um, And the conditions, if they're broken, have a penalty. If you you fall short of your promise or your agreement, there usually is either a loss of trust or maybe a financial burden, you know, any type of penalty um, from a broken condition. Now, the conditions of the old covenant was that if man was obedient, God would bless him. And so obedience equals blessing. And in the covenant to us, God put only himself on the line. Now, I'm going to explain this a little bit more. But if God failed to bless man, God would die. That was the condition for God, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if we failed to be obedient, here's the other part, God would die. We were never put on the line in this covenant with God. Um, And as we know, we failed. And Jesus fulfilled the conditions of the law in pure obedience So that we could be accepted and loved by a perfect God unconditionally. So I just think about that, like the craziness that here's this God and he creates this covenant with us. And he says, you know what? Even when you mess up, I'm going to pay and bridge that gap. And he did in Jesus. And Jesus lived the perfect life we can't live. And then he died the death that we deserve so that we can now be restored back into this relationship with this covenant God who not only wants to have this relationship with us, but allow us to partner in his work. So from the beginning, God's heart was to pursue and draw in his lost sheep, to restore his people to himself. This is our covenant God. This is this amazing God who desires us and has given each of us this value and this worth. Um, and because he's restored us, we can also be part of his plan to restore other people to himself. Um, someone has First or Second Corinthians five eighteen. Would you read that? Perfect.
1: Second Corinthians five eighteen through twenty one says, "All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ." not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Mm -hmm. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love Jesus reconciled us to himself. And we now can have partnership in him reconciling the world. Mm -hmm. And just that last part, Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. We right now are considered the righteousness of God in God's eyes because Jesus exchanged his place with us. Um, And I think that just segues really easily into just a reality that God has been pursuing us from the very beginning, pursuing man. Evangelism isn't a new concept. Um, This this idea that God, this Great Commission is not a new concept. It's from the very beginning that God desired to have everyone be in this relationship with him. So over and over again, you can see this in the Old Testament, and I'll just quickly share a few points on that. Um, the first one, like I mentioned earlier, is that God created us in his image for community. In, in that Genesis 1, 26, let us make man in our image. So God is this triumphant God and imperfect community. And because we're made in his image, we have that capacity and that ability. Secondly, God chose to pursue Adam and Eve in the garden, even in their brokenness and sin. And I think that's really cool because that's the like, first part of the gospel that you see. Like in the very beginning, even in their sin, after they had already eaten of the fruit, they're hiding, and and God says, "Where are you?" He knew exactly where they were, but He chose to connect and pursue them in a way that they would experience it. Like when we talk to each other, we're pursuing one another. Um, and then God establishes and pursues the people of Israel through Abram, um, or Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I just think about that. like From the very beginning, God is establishing this desire. Um, And finally, I think this is a really cool part. God pursues the nation of Israel as a bride. Um, And over and over in the Old Testament, especially in Hosea, um, the covenant between man and God is illustrated as a marriage. And that helps us kind of because we see, like, it's not a 50-50 relationship, right? It shouldn't be. Marriage is supposed to be 100-100. So even when I'm not giving my best, the other person should be, and vice versa. And that's how God creates it with man. He says, even when you fail, I'm still going to be 100% in. And so that's why we can know that even in our failures, even in our brokenness, God still loves us. He's still in this covenant with us because he put himself on the line. Um, So like I said, God illustrates this covenant commitment as a marriage between Him and His people, and Israel is always shown as this unfaithful bride. I don't know how many times Israel mess up, messes up, turns from God, does their own thing, but God is constantly pursuing them, and He does it in love. Even when He's punishing Israel, it's so that they would turn back to Him and see how much He loves them. Um. And I, I'm thankful. Like, yeah, God's been doing this from the very beginning. But I'm also thankful that he doesn't just limit it to Israel. Because if he just limited it to Israel, most of us would not be here today. I would even venture to say all of us would not be here today um, in a relationship with Christ. So, I, I, just a couple examples of that. I think about when when Joshua sent spies into the promised land. And they're going to check out like, what is this place that God has promised us when there are people already inhabiting the land? All that kind of stuff. and the spies are being traced or tracked down by, by the city, by the um, army or the soldiers or whatever. And Rahab is a prostitute, and she lives there. And she's like, "Hey, come here," you know. And she ushers them into her house and hides them from the city officials, and then helps them out. And she says, um, she basically says, "I get it that Israel's God is the one true God, and in acknowledging that, she's justified in faith." And I think like, this is one of those first examples of God extending the promises and this good relationship to people outside of Israel. Um, Jesus dies to save both Jews and Gentiles. We see that in Ephesians 2. Jesus crosses ethnic, social, and gender boundaries with the Samaritan woman at the well, which is like unheard of. That's a huge deal that, that Jesus would be willing to do that. And his disciples were freaked out. They're like, what the heck are you doing? And Jesus is saying, this is who I am. I'm here for the world, not just for Israel or the Jews or, you know, um, this one select group. And he also goes after the lost sheep. Um, God isn't satisfied with just the people he has. He will seek after that other sheep so that he can bring them all back into his fold. Um, So I just love that. This is this God that is our covenantal God who from the beginning has been pursuing us in relationship. So what does the Great Commission have to do with any of this, right? What does that have to do with us? Well, our view of the Great Commission is dependent on our understanding of God's covenantal nature. So when I truly get it that God pursues us and our salvation as a gift, it makes me in awe of this good God, right? I'm just excited. Well, I am. I hope you guys can be too. Because um, our salvation is a gift. It's not earned. It's a miracle. And I think how often it's, it, it can be easy to say, oh, I was likely to become a Christian because I was a good person. And I honestly thought that for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that bad. So it wasn't that much of a miracle that God brought me into a relationship with himself. And now obviously there's a huge lie there. And the lie is that I can somehow be good in my own, on my own. And the reality is that we are all broken, right? Our natural tendency in our flesh is to turn from God. Um, and so remembering that salvation story, that's why we had you do that this morning. Remembering how God brought you to himself is a complete miracle. Not done because of anything you've done, you haven't deserved it or earned it. It is solely because he pursued you and has given you a heart and used people to bring you to himself so when we remember that grace and the miracle of our salvation and the cost of this grace because it was costly remember that that price that ultimate price that was paid it is costly our hearts should be moved to respond and often we respond in praise and adoration and worship and that should be a natural response of this like oh my gosh god i love you so much right um And that's a vertical response. That's a response of of loving this God through prayer and through through worship. Um, But response also includes sharing of God's goodness to others. And that's the horizontal. So I think about how often I'm like, oh, I love something, right? And I'm not going to tell my water bottle that I love it, but I might tell you guys that I love my water bottle. And that's part of us being excited about something or or rejoicing in something is sharing it with those around us. Um, and when we turn from trying to do these good things on our own strength um, because somehow we can earn it um, to doing good things because God loves us, our hearts can turn from duty to delight. And that's where I think a lot of people look at evangelism or look at the Great Commission and go, oh, that's a duty or that's something that I'm not I'm not prepared for. Um, to. This is just a natural tendency to share of what God's done in my life. Um, it, it becomes a delight. Um, and ultimately, it's partnering in God's nature and his plan. How awesome that God gives us the opportunity to partner with him in his divine and perfect plan to reconcile the world to himself. Um, so I just want to take a minute and like we were reflecting earlier and now just think about who were the people that God used in your story to draw you to himself and it might be a body of people and it may just be one person so I'm just going to give you a minute to think You want to want to share.
1: It was um, my freshman year of college and meeting friends, meeting people who became friends from intervarsity. Okay. And fellowship and just their like uh, continual pursuit. And I really like the term ambassador, like mm-hmm. as, as a descriptor for them, because it was this like welcoming, intentional relationship that had okay. you know purpose of of uh, you know reuniting. Me
0: yeah yeah cool thanks anyone else do one more
1: um mine was like a string of people um so i mean a lot of it was my parents but that was also sporadic because their relationship with the lord was also sort of cyclical um Mm -hmm. and like just random friends that would like invite me to church and then um and then, like when I really like hit rock bottom and was, um, left, sort of lost all my friends, and the ones that remained were people that had religion, and mm-hmm. it was it was people of different faith. You know, there was one Christian, there was a there was a Jewish person, there was a Hindu, but I think uh, them having a connection with um, a God um, sort of showed me that there's nothing different about people yeah. of religion, and mm-hmm. um, and then you know wanting something. Yeah. Um, and so yeah just like reflecting back on you know he used um, a you know variety of people in different communities um, in sort of a like 18 year long process <laughs> um, but it was always sort of like the welcomingness and like the acceptance mm-hmm. and like the love and like right. there's something different here I don't know what it is but I'm like drawn to it mm-hmm. um, and sort of redrawn to it um, and, and then actually like walk me through like what is it what does the gospel mean and like what did jesus actually do and like oh that's not i was i had this thing made up in my head about jesus and that's not true and
0: this is the truth so that's cool thanks for sharing that um yeah i love it each of us will have people and you can think of those people and and remember just what they've done in your life to point you to christ um and that's how God does it. He uses people. And I'm thankful, too, that he uses his spirit because ultimately it is his spirit who who transforms our hearts, right? Who turns us to him. But I think when, when we think about, okay, am I that person in anybody's life? It can often come off as either burdensome or scary or, you know, like a heavy burden or a heavy heavy task. But God gave us a commission. He didn't give us a command. And I want to define both of those for you guys because there's a difference. When we think of command, it tends to be harsh. It tends to be an expectation, a standard. Uh, you know, I, I, even now, like my posture's changing. There's a, a sense of I have to be perfect in this. Um, and according to Webster, a command is to give an order, to direct authoritatively, or to demand. Um, but commission, on the other hand, is something different. Um It's To the given, oh, sorry, given the authority to act for, in behalf of, or in place of another. And I just think about how cool. If this is a commission, God is saying, I'm giving you the opportunity and power and ability to go on my behalf. And that's not the same as a direct, a directive, a command, a harsh, like, this is what you have to do. It's saying, I'm allowing you and I'm giving you the power to be a part of this. Um, And evangelism is both a response and a mission. So when we think of it, this commission is doing it together, co, right? We do things together. Um, And then mission, we are witnesses to who God is. Each of us, we've already reflected on our own salvation stories. We are witnesses to how he's worked in our lives. So it's natural that we tell others of what we see and experience. Um like I said earlier like when we try a new restaurant or read a great book or live through a great loss we share these things with those people around us. So I think like think about the last time you shared something you liked or experienced. I mean it was probably even this morning. Because we so often will share about those things in our lives that we love or you know give a good recommendation for coffee place or whatever it might be. Um and this happens in community naturally. So one reason why it's important to be in vulnerable, real, and authentic community is because that's a place where we're going to naturally share about what God's doing in our lives. Um, and we will bring people into the experience of God, right? When, when someone tells me about this amazing food they've eaten, it makes me salivate. I want to be a part of that. And that's what we get to do in our relationships with the Lord is bring people in be ambassadors for a different kingdom, right? A different type of community. Um, And we get to learn from other people's experiences as well. well. Their heartaches, their celebrations, their um, different parts of their lives. And so the Great Commission is a part of our purpose or mission on earth. um, And we are given a unique opportunity to unite with God in reaching people by going on his behalf. Um, And I think about with crew, we, whenever we do any type of mission work, go on trips or anything like that, um, we commission people. We have a commissioning night, and it's usually a night of prayer and celebration of saying, "This is where you're going, or this is what you're doing." Let's pray for that, that God would send you out. And so that's part of it—is that idea of being sent. Um, so looking at like the most famous. Great Commission passages, right? There are actually five, so you have the four that are in the Gospels, and then there's one in Acts. And um, I'm going to have somebody has Matthew. Yeah, great. Chani's going to read Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20.
1: Okay. Um, okay. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Mm-hmm.
0: Great, thank you. And Acts eight, Bridget has that.
1: Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth.
0: Now, you should have those listed on your paper, Um, and I would encourage each of you to take some time at some point just to read through those, because it's a really neat experience of seeing what what God's commission to us looks like. Um, And each of these passages includes elements of God's covenantal relationship to us. First, we're being sent to proclaim something we have witnessed or experienced or heard or learned. And so when, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he's saying, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And remember, that happens from their relationship with Jesus and then they are able to teach what he's commanded them. And so it's, it's from personal experience. I'm not expected to teach something that I have no idea about, right? It's only from our experience. And I think that's really well seen in, um, in John 4. We talked about it a little bit earlier with the woman at the well. So Jesus meets this woman She's an adulteress, she's had many husbands, she um, is the lowest of low in her society, let alone in a society that, that Jesus' culture is not supposed to come and come into contact with, the Samaritans. And, um, and so for Jesus, this Jewish rabbi, to talk to a woman, and a Samaritan woman, and a woman who's also unclean, so to speak, is a big deal. Um, and Jesus talks to her, um, And basically, she comes to realize that he is the Messiah. And she immediately goes back to her community. And over the next few days, many people trust in Jesus because of what she shared. And she pretty much went back and said, come meet this man who told me everything I ever did. And you imagine this this kind of pariah woman coming back into her community going, come meet him. She must have been so fervent because multiple people followed her to meet this Jesus and they saw that he was the Messiah too. And they came to know Jesus and, and came to faith. And all she had was her experience. She had, didn't have biblical wisdom and knowledge and, you know, lots of experience of different evangelism tools or any of that. She only had her experience. Um, and so I think, again, the heart of evangelism is our reality. It's the incredible gift of being brought near to God and made new and adopted into his family. And as we learn the ways of God's kingdom and the sacrificial love of this king, we are able to be ambassadors, like Kelly was saying earlier, representatives who go on behalf of their country or their people. Um, and in our case, we're called to be Christ ambassadors to the world. So I think about this godly kingdom, right? But we're in the world right now. And so what does it look like for us to represent him and live on his behalf here in the power of his spirit? Um, and the second thing that we see in all of these Great Commission passages is the promise of power of God's presence or the Holy Spirit to help. Um, I think about the Matthew verse It says, and I will be with you even till the end of the age. And that's Jesus just promising his presence with us as we live out this life, as we live out this commission. Um, in Acts 1.8, it says, that, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So none of these things are things we're called to do in our own strength thankful for that just saying um because we can't we can't do any of it on our own and then also there's there's the idea that it's uh the element of going global or going to the world in acts 1 8 it talks about going to jerusalem and or judea jerusalem to the ends of the world and samaria yeah to the ends of the world and that's just like here's my little community and let's get bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because God's heart is for the whole world, right? Not just for Davis, not just for campus, not just for wherever we, we tend to think of as our immediate community. Um, and it means going beyond our comfort zones. And that's, that's kind of a scary thing too, of having to cross cultures or crossing boundaries that we're not used to. Um, and so it just kind of leads us into how do we live out this great commission? How do we actually do this? Um, I think God calls us to share in his nature. And so now through the new covenant of Jesus' blood, God enables us to do that through his spirit. And that's the most important thing that I would love for each of you to remember, especially with what we're doing in discovery, Mm -hmm. or talking about the Holy Spirit is our source and our enabler to be able to live a life that is glorifying to God and in line with his will and reflecting of his nature. Because the Holy Spirit is God, right? Living inside of us, dwelling inside of us. Um, and so I think that's the first part. We partner with God through his spirit to be a light in this world. Um, someone has, I think Sam has 2nd Corinthians 2, 14 through 16.
1: Um, for thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death, um, to one a fragrance from death to death. To the others a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things?
0: I love that we are a fragrance in this world, and to those who have life, we're a fragrance of life. To those who are perishing, we're a fragrance of death. And that just shows how we are an aroma. Um, when we have the Holy Spirit in us and working through us. And um, God will use those different aromas to draw people to himself. Um, So I I shared that we partner with God through the Holy Spirit. We also, another way of um, living out the Great Commission is identifying women or people that you interact with regularly and try to figure out where are they spiritually. I mean, this is the more practical part, so it's going to be a little bit different. But... Looking at the people around you, where are they spiritually? Everybody's on a spiritual journey. So it, it's kind of hard to do that if we don't know people, right? If we don't take the time to ask questions, if we don't take the time to observe. Um, and so, it, and just kind of asking that question, who can I be in this person's life? And there are a few different things. In, in crew, we, call, we do something called cojourners, and it's just a paradigm of being able to look at our relationships and go, Where is this person at spiritually, and who can I be in their life? And the first person that I can potentially be in somebody's life is the explorer. And the explorer asks questions to help someone identify what they think and believe. So it might be asking the simple question of, what's your spiritual background? We've never talked about this. I'm interested. Do you guys go go to church? Did you grow up celebrating holidays? You know, you get to know a lot of people by asking questions, and you get to know a lot about them by asking questions. Um, The second, um, like, person I could be in someone's life is a guide. And you think about a guide who's going out on a trail, who's, like, in the forest, right? You hope that the guide knows where they're going. (laughs) You hope that they know the landmarkers. You'd hope that they, you know. So to guide someone to Christ, you have to be able to know Jesus yourself. And know what it takes to follow, or not, maybe not to follow him fully, but to, to place your trust in him. Um, so the guide is someone who's guiding people to Jesus, or a person to Jesus. And that person is ready to hear and respond to the gospel. That doesn't mean that they are going to say yes immediately to Jesus. But that means, okay, this person, the next step for them is hearing the gospel. Um, the third person is the bridge builder. And so I might be a bridge builder in somebody's life who has obstacles, who's like, yeah, I've heard the gospel, but I can't believe in that because, and there are a lot of obstacles that people have in this life. How can God be a good God and send people to hell? Just not understanding certain things, or maybe they have hurts from church or from different experiences, and there's just that one thing standing in their way, or a couple things. And for us to be a bridge builder, it means helping them overcome those obstacles. It might mean by praying for them. It might mean by having conversations with them, reflecting the love of God where they've only experienced hurt or they've experienced wronging. Um, And that doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers. I just want to throw that out there. That never means we have to have all the answers because we don't. Um, And the fourth person is to be a mentor. And the mentor is someone who comes along a believer in living out faith in christ and oftentimes we find that within the church right we find mentors within the church um, a third way that we can be a part of god's plan for redeeming the world to himself is by praying for opportunities to encourage share witness pray for those people around us um, and sometimes that means praying for our own selves that we would have courage that we would have eyes to see that we would be ready um, but it also means praying for those people in our communities, those people we've identified. Uh, another way is bringing people into your community. As women, we, in, in Christ, we already have a covenant relationship, usually with one another in the church, um, but church is not meant to be a holy huddle for Christians. It's meant to be a place where we can continue to bring people in because Jesus is the body, or is the head of the body, and the body is the church, and it's supposed to be continuing to grow, right? The, the Great Commission is not fulfilled until all tribes and nations and tongues have, have heard of him and have the opportunity to respond to him. And how's that going to happen if the church is not growing and going and bringing people in? Um, and some people may not be open to church, and that's okay. But they might be open to socials or going to coffee or coming to a discovery group. Um, and I, I think, like, what does it look like for us to bring those people into community as well? And realize just because someone's not open to church doesn't mean it's a closed door. We get to continue to pursue. Because God has pursued us. Like always remembering that point. Um, and then I, I think about discipleship. It's something that we're doing within discovery. And I love that. We need each other to grow and to learn what it looks like to live out the Great Commission. We need mentors. We need people who are going to remind us like, hey, are you part of this? How are you doing with remembering your salvation story? How are you doing with remembering the grace that you've been given? And so discipleship meets a lot of our needs, but this is just one way that it can help us spur on um, being a part of the Great Commission. And it helps, too, when you have someone who's backing you up in prayer, right? No, you're not alone in that. Um, and then finally, thinking global. How are you engaging in, the global, in God's global mission? Because we looked at the, those Great Commission passages. They weren't just for our, our small community. They're for the world. And... Um, Are you going, giving, sending? I think those are just good questions we need to ask ourselves. And it's, again, not meant to be a burden or you're a Christian and so this is your duty. No, just how is the Lord leading you to respond to the goodness of his love for you and drawing you into a relationship with himself? Because God's heart is to bring those lost sheep into a fold. And I think, just to be real, as women, God created us with a great capacity for relationships for loving one another, for being in in relationship with one another. And relationships can be messy and there can be lots of hurts. And so part of this is remembering just how how God has loved us, forgiving, you know, just like moving past ourselves and seeing how God is using us in the lives of other people or can. Um, And I, I love it, just how he pursued his bride and how we can be in pursuit of one another in love. And um, we can reach the women around us and reflect his nature to them as we love and engage and be a witness to the things he's done in our own lives. And, you know, there's so many stories. There are so many. Yeah, I just think about all the stories that are represented here. And my hope is that each of you can walk away and go, wow, God has been so good. And what does it just look like for me to partner in what he's doing? Um, not as a duty, but as a delight um, because of his love for us. So let me just pray for us. I know probably, yeah, definitely need to move into our um, question time, our group time. But Jesus, I, I just can't thank you enough for your grace and your mercy and you taking on the full penalty and the full weight of our sin so that we can be the righteousness of God. And I praise you, God, that you allow us to partner in your nature and in your plan and fulfilling what you you started. I love it that you call us your plan A. Um, There is no plan B to reaching the world. Um, And I pray that you'd give us hearts of brokenness for the lost, that as we reflect on your goodness and salvation for us, that we would remember and think about those people who haven't yet experienced that, and that there would be a burden of, of love and sorrow for those people. Um, would you show us ways that we can be a part of that, a part of um, sharing you? And I just think about, I can't say it enough, and I've repeated it over and over again, that all of this is in response to what you've done for us. And so um, just pray, God, that you'd be working in our hearts and leading us and um, that in the power of your spirit we'd be a light in this world for you. Thank you for this time. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray.